You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, hey, everybody. It's Sarah Spain, one of the co-hosts of this show on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Uh, you might know the other co-host of this show because you just heard him cheat on me for two hours with Chanae and Golik Jr. This is a habit uh, he makes of just willy-nilly spreading himself around the radio lineup. Uh, Fitz, I hope you saved some energy for the show that I've heard has your name in it, but people still haven't gotten that message yet based hey, on what Golik Jr. said. Hey, Sarah, just real quick. By the way, it was three hours, yep. not two. Oh, three, oh, three. Oh, yep. three hours. Okay. okay, well, you saved your endurance for Gojo, which I appreciate. I uh, hope you can scrap it together for another two hours with me. Let's hear how Golik Jr. described the show that we're on right now. Janae and Golik Jr. here on ESPN Radio. Mike Golik Jr., Jason Fitz, hanging out with us in for Chanae today. You can check out Jason, 7 to 9 Eastern on Spain and Company. Our neighbors, Spain and Fitz, wow. Wow. Wow, you got what you deserved. He didn't even remember this is your show. Uh, you know what? It's a fair point. I will say I had it coming, though. Yesterday, I made a pick on their show for my beloved Raiders. And when I when they got to me and they brought me up on the mock draft, I said in the 2021 uh, Golik Jr. and Cheney mock draft. So Ooh. I didn't say the oh. right. Yeah. So I went wow. the wrong way on that. So I feel like <laughs> there was like some pent up aggression. But look, after after ta- talking about fat guys for three hours, I am just I am so happy to be here where we won't talk about any big boys or what they eat or their deep fried snacks. I feel like we are I on mean, a roll for the next two hours to bring America what they need right now. I don't know how big you're talking, but Bart Scott and Harry Douglas are on the program. Okay, so, never mind. You know, Back to Friday. There's going to be some big boys. <laughs> it's Spain and Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You know, we spent yesterday talking about one of the hot topics of the day, which was Kyle Shanahan's uh, nihilism in discussing the potential for his roster to still have Jimmy Garoppolo on it come Sunday. Uh, it was uh, certainly avoiding the usual cliches. Uh, what we did get today from uh from from the packers is 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 not nihilism but obviousism if that is a word <laughs> which i don't think it is um, if you if you remember last year there were some questions around what exactly the team was going to do with their all-world quarterback Aaron Rodgers and their newly drafted Jordan Love and they were very non-committal well it turns out i guess having an mvp season your third in the league Gives you a little bit of support in your organization. Here's Packers GM Brian Gutekunst talking about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron's our guy. Um, he's going to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future. We're excited about, you know, kind of the things we're going to try to accomplish here over the next couple of years. So um, we certainly think that, um, you know, with the contract that you're kind of talking about, it's something we'll work through. We're going to have to do probably a few things with different contracts as we as we head towards the season and through the season to make sure that our salary cap situation, not only this year, uh, but in 2022 um, is square. So um, we're not done yet. We've done a lot to get here. Uh, we've kind of been doing things as we go, and we will continue to do that as we go. So Fitz, it starts off strong, right? Uh, he's going to be our quarterback for the foreseeable future. That seems like a good choice. Uh, again, guy coming off an MVP season, something like 48 touchdowns and five interceptions, I believe was the ratio. And then we get into the contract. And for me, the actions speak louder than the words. Aaron Rodgers is going into this year with no guaranteed money left on his deal. If they were to move on from him after this season, it would be $25 million in cap space saved. They have not restructured his deal. They gave him bonus money that they could have instead renegotiated and moved around into a deal that would give them 
a little more cap hit from him, but make it easier to sign others and move on into the next couple years. So what are you reading out of what they're saying and what they're doing? Yeah, there's a, a massive disconnect, too. And part of what he said there is, you know, we're set for the next couple years. And that's a long time. I mean, if he's going to say, if the Packers as an organization are going to say that they're set for the next couple of years at the quarterback position, well, uh, first and foremost, how are they working out that contract? But secondly, why did they take Jordan Love in a, a situation where they'd be wasting three of the four years that he would have that he's cheap? That fifth year isn't uh, isn't as cheap for these quarterbacks that come out in the first round, right? So you, you've got four years, basically, where you've got a rookie quarterback contract, which is such a benefit to build around. You tell me that Jordan Love's going to sit for three of those, and then in mm-hmm. year four, you're going to have to make a decision that impacts year five? That's bad management of an organization. So uh, the two sides can't commingle. There's no way to meet in the middle on this. Yeah, and I don't really know what their plan is. To me, it feels like they thought perhaps Rodgers would take a step back last season and then they would be able to make a decision then about him and Jordan Love. Instead, he goes out and has an incredible season. And now they're back in the same position where they are not willing to commit from the 37-year-old superstar beyond quote-unquote foreseeable future, which could mean a year, two years, three years. And to your point, they're not going to just hang on to Jordan Love. He is the first quarterback, I want to say, since 2010 that didn't see any game action after being drafted um, as high as as he was. I don't have that stat directly in front of me. But it was very odd for Jordan Love to not play in a game and to not be even active for half of the games last season. So they're going to have to make some decisions coming up soon. And based on what they're saying, they're committed to Rodgers based on what they're doing. Uh, that beautiful mystery that Rodgers keeps talking about continues to be uh, what the future looks like. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, guest join us on the Goodyear Hotline. I also wanted to ask about the Bengals. You know, we talked about this with the guests last night, but you and I didn't have a chance to get into it. And I heard Cole Kubelik talking about uh, Penny Sewell. And I'm watching the Bengals last year, especially with an eye, uh, a special eye on it, because former Spain and Company co-host Jordan Cornette's a big fan of the Bengals, and we talked a lot about whether Burrow would be protected enough in that team, and he wasn't. He suffered a catastrophic injury, and now a lot of folks are saying, do you give him Pitts, a big target to throw to, or do you give him Sewell, a, a, a big guy to protect him? And here's what Cole Kubelik said on S, uh, SportsCenter with SVP. Joe Burrow is the lottery ticket for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now protect it. That's your biggest asset. Make sure that he can stand up. You got Billy Price in the middle. Jonah Williams coming back should be healthy, able to help you. And I do agree that Panay Sewell is a generational talent. Some of the film may lack the technical and fundamental prettiness that you get from some other guys that are ready to go into the NFL draft. But they don't move like Panay Sewell does. I can work with them and get them ready to be an NFL player because he has uncoachable traits that not many offensive linemen do stepping into the NFL. So Fitch, where do you sit? Yeah, and to me, this is so simple on protecting Joe Burrow. I mean, the, realistically, pass catchers, especially wide receivers right now, I think, are, are becoming less and less valuable in today's NFL to have to get one right away because every year there's somebody that comes out and is spectacular. And, you know, you can get a great receiver in the second or third round. So there are still going to be weapons available for the Bengals to take in future rounds. The drop-off between Jamar Chase and the weapons that they can get in the second round are far greater or, or far smaller, I should say, than the drop-off from offensive line 
from Panay Sewell to whoever they'll get in the second or third round. And I keep looking at the number of passes thrown. I mean, there was one game last year, the second game of the year, Burrow threw 61 times. I mean, it was not uncommon for him to drop back 40, 50 times a game. They are using him and putting him at risk so much. The one thing you can't do is let him get hurt again. I mean, you can have bad weapons. He's got to be healthy. That's the first most important thing they've got to address. So for, It's not even close for me. It's Panay Sewell, and that's it. It's Spain and Fitz here, Spain, Jason Fitz. I completely agree with you. And and listen, Pitts could go on to be the greatest tight end ever. But we know from experience that there are tremendous receivers and tight ends on teams. And if there isn't a quarterback to throw to them and an offensive line to protect them, it's not going to win you games. Joe Burrow is the meal ticket. Joe Burrow being upright and, to your point, not having to throw 60-plus times a game while running for his life is the future for this team. And as tempting as Pitts may be, unless you got a real solid plan via trades or otherwise, you got to go get that offensive lineman that could change everything. And I'm kind of surprised, to be honest, that the football minds aren't more often telling us about the best linemen, the best offensive line guys out there and how important they are. We get so stuck talking about the sexy guys that you're going to put on your fantasy teams when we really understand how terrible a team can look if their offensive line isn't there for them. And we saw it writ large in the Super Bowl. Right? What more proof on the biggest stage do we need than how a great team with tremendous weapons can look absolutely terrible if they don't have any time to complete their their offense? So uh, I think Penny Sewell's the guy there. We'll see what happens. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Coming up four years ago tonight, the Bears blew the draft. How are they going to ruin my life this year? <laughs> with the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky, ah! North Carolina. Ah! You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And as much as Fitz thinks the draft is the greatest event of the year because he is endlessly hopeful about his Raiders, I think we're both ready for the draft to happen so we can stop mock drafting and talking about what's going to happen. And it's Thursday night, so to help us talk about all of the mock drafting and all of the real drafting, ESPN Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson joins us now on the Goodyear Hotline. What's up, Jeff? Guys, I am mocked out, just like the both of you. You know, it's weird. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like, I mean, it's unbelievable. But I think this year in particular, you know, free agency, I thought, came and went faster than in any year. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. boom, the first wave happened. And then there really weren't a lot of even interesting secondary or, or third-level signings. And now we've had this, I call it the, uh, the football abyss for a while, where there's been really not a whole lot going on, just a couple of teams making some moves here or there. But, yeah, I think the build-up of the draft is, you know, it's like, oh, it's finally here. We've heard all about these quarterbacks. Where are they all going to go? And we'll find out Thursday night, thank goodness. So, Jeff, with all the conversation about quarterbacks, I can't find a path that gets the Bears into one of those conversations. Have you figured out some Tetris way to put the board together and get a quarterback in Chicago? You know, Jason, I I wouldn't say it's impossible because anything is possible in the NFL. I mean, did you ever think they'd trade up to get Mitch Trubisky second overall? I Uh, I don't think uh, many people saw that one coming. But, I mean, anything is possible. That being said, the Bears right now are sitting at number 20. So that's really not an attractive pick to say, hey, let's call the team that has the eighth pick uh, and say, hey, do you want our 20th pick in next year's first round? Well, that doesn't pay that team very much immediate dividend. So that's a little bit of a, a tough pick to, to make look enticing. I can see them trying, 
I just don't see it materializing. But if there's one team that would love to make a splash, it's the Chicago Bears. And Sarah knows this living in Chicago like I do. The fan base isn't exactly happy these mm-hmm. days. Um, a bit on the surly side, if you will. Uh, the Andy Dalton jerseys are not flying off the shelf uh, over at the Bears team shop. So they would love to have something to sell to this fan base to energize this city. They will try, but ultimately my guess is it probably won't work and they'll end up picking at number 20 overall. J.D., you know, they they need to make a splash despite not being in a good position to do so because Pace and Nagy's jobs are on the line. Can they do enough with the 20th pick and whoever they grab to make this team good enough to save their jobs because this team looks like it's going to be bad. Last year's team wasn't great. They made the postseason, which they're going to put in front of your face as often as possible, but it wasn't a great team, and it hasn't gotten any better in the offseason. No, it, was, it wasn't a great year, and they really ended up backing into the playoffs because they beat three cupcakes to get to the point where they could get in. So, yeah, and then they lost to the Saints in the first round. I mean, I'll, I'll say this. At number 20, they have to take someone that you know right now Forget Because you don't know what's going to happen if the players are going to report to the offseason program. And Ryan Pace, by the way, told us today, guys, believe it or not, this morning on a Zoom call, he expects the players in the building when phase two of the offseason program begins on May 17th. Now, the Bears are one of the many teams that put that statement out via the NFLPA saying, we're not showing up. The GM is saying, I think they're showing up. We spoke to two players today. They did not say we're showing up. So, I mean, especially since you might have limited time with them to get them ready for the season, you got to find someone to start right away. You cannot, I don't think, take a chance on players that have medical red flags. And now, again, that, that information is as scarce as ever because there wasn't the combine. You don't have the luxury of the, the personal private visit. Um, so, you know, because if you look at the track record, and I know Sarah knows this, we go to bed thinking about this, um, Ryan Pace, uh, the GM, you know, has not had first-round picks the last two years because of Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. But before that, he had four first-round picks, all in the top ten, and only one of them, Roquan Smith, is still with the team. Kevin White, gone. Leonard Floyd, a better Ram. Trubisky, gone. That's not how you build a team. That's not how you build a, a perennial playoff a contender. So if they stay at 20, it has to be, I think, a safe pick, maybe one of the offensive tackles someone that can start for them day one and never look back. We're talking to ESPN Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson. Jeff, I want to go back to what you were just saying about players not reporting. Like, Given last season was such a strange offseason for anybody that was drafted, and now they're going to bring other young kids in. Like, Realistically, if people aren't going to be in the facility, what is a team going to do to try and help the young players actually become successful more quickly? What, what the teams, what the players will say, Jason, is look at what happened last year. We have a blueprint for this. You know, we have this whole concept of an entirely virtual offseason. And I don't think they'll shorten training camp this year, but they did truncate it last year. That's what they're going to say. They're going to say injuries were down last year, and we have a, a formula in place that we think protects us and our families. Uh, and, you know, we realistically, if every team chooses not to have, if every team's players choose not to show up, then you could say, okay, there's no competitive advantage. They're all doing it virtually. It is what it is. The real murky area here is you might have some teams where the players say, the heck with it. I need to come collect my roster, my workout bonus, or I feel like i got to be here, and they show up, whereas other teams have it all virtual. 
And then I think the teams that show up, quite frankly, will have a much better head start in training camp. That's just always the case. Every team was behind last year trying to catch up because there were no in-person OTAs. I think it's going to be very fascinating what happens when these second phases roll around. I was surprised that Ryan Pace seemed so confident as players were going to be there because, again, these statements put out by the NFLPA, not just by the Bears, by a, a plethora of teams, makes it pretty clear that the majority of the locker rooms are saying we don't want to be there for the voluntary stuff. It's Spain and Fitz, J.D. with us talking about the Bears and the rest of the draft. And I mentioned mock drafts. Uh, we don't have too much time left, but if you've got a story from the ESPN NFL Nation mock drafts, uh, I know people injure themselves. Is there trash yep. talking? Do people try to throw off the whole thing by just going wild with a pick just to make people have to restart what they were thinking? What, what's the best behind the scenes? We had one situation this year. Um, now, normally this is all done. Um, you know, it's done in advance. Um, one year we had a reporter disappear and we couldn't find him for hours and hours. That's a problem. Um, we eventually located his whereabouts, not in a good place. Uh, Uh-oh. and, uh, we proceeded with our draft without him. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. However, th- this year we were doing it on this nice, like spreadsheet, you know, and it, we're like, okay, uh, you know, pick number one. I don't have to you know, burst anyone's bubble here. It will be Trevor Lawrence that Mike DiRocco takes for Jacksonville. Then we get to my good friend, Rich Semini at number two. And five minutes go by and 10 minutes go by. And you could see the frantic, like clicking on his boxes. Like he knows he's supposed to be writing in this box, the pick, uh, and yet it's not working. Oh, so no. we're like 15 to 18 minutes delayed. And finally he puts his pick in there. And that's really all the drama we had. Besides that, wow. we cruised through. Now when you're in Bristol and you're climbing those stairs in the NFL studio and you're, you're climbing down, you got to be careful. You could fall. And there's always that awkward walk to the podium. Like, do I strut? Do I walk casual? <laughs> How do I look? And then you're like, do I crack a joke early on to kind of loosen the mood? And like when Bill Polian was doing the show, the, the mood was not loosened. It was very serious. So it's, there's, it's kind of an art to the NFL Nation. Sounds like draft. it. But 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, ESPN2. You'll see us all from our various locations. You can laugh at our bad backgrounds because we don't make NFL live money really spruce things up in our houses, unfortunately. J.D., we have to go. So one word answer is the person who was incognito and nowhere to be found still employed with us. No, uh, they are not. There mm. we go. All right. J.D., thanks for the time. Great to catch up with you. Have fun tonight. <laughs> Always strut, my friend. <laughs> Always oh my God, strut. Take care. Always strut is correct. Coming up, a former NFL linebacker is going to tell us where this draft gets really interesting. And no, it's not the top of the draft. It's a little bit deeper in. Plus, a very fun fact about the two of us that doesn't involve Fitz at all, who is still being punished. It's coming up next, (laughs) ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you. It's ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Spain and Fitz brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. We're going to head over to the Goodyear hotline. You hear him every day. Bart and Han on ESPN Radio, weekdays, noon to 2 Eastern. Bart, Scott, Bart, thanks so much for the time. Obviously, when we think Bart, Scott, we think Jets. And we talk so much about Zach Wilson, and you know we can talk it, uh, until we're blue in the face about that quarterback. But realistically, they have another second round or first round pick in, the, uh, in that round. What are they going to do with the second first round pick? You know what? I was really disappointed that I felt like a guy like Orlando Brown Jr. was available with their 34th pick. And you talk about, oh, well, Beckton plays left tackle. And I'm like, well, so what? He can play right tackle. 
how many times do you have the opportunity to grab a guy that's 23 years old that only costs 949, I think $940,000 this year because he's not eligible for an extension because he was a, a fourth-round draft pick. And I felt like, you know, Joe Douglas, I've been watching the Patriots and Miami and Houston with this whole Patriot insider trading stuff for like the last two months where you think about, you know, the picks that, and, the, and, the, and the players that they sent to Miami. I thought, Joe Douglas, why not call – Philadelphia and grab Zach Ertz, right? Why not call uh, Baltimore and get Orlando Brown Jr.? And I feel like they let the opportunity get um, away. But what they have to do is can't make the same mistake that we made with Mark Sanchez and not provide the weapons. When you decide to go young and get a young quarterback without really a viable backup, you got to go offensive line. You have to protect him. We know he's protected on the left side. Now, let's protect the young man on the right side. So I think they go a guy like Tevin Jenkins, if he's available, or a guy who one of my favorite guys in this entire draft is Christian Durashaw, because I feel like he could potentially be the best tackle in this game. And if you can't get him, then go down and get Elijah Bear Tucker. Bart Scott with us here on Spain and Fitz. The Jets had success when you were there, but they are a team where – People tend to forget that couple years with Sanchez when they were making a run and focus more on the failures, especially of late. You hear from tons right. of Jets fans. Is there hope? Because there's not going to be a surprise with that top pick. Everybody knows where it's going. They've talked themselves into it. Or is there still a feeling of trepidation leading up to a draft that somehow our team's going to screw this up? Well, I think the difference is Joe Douglas has a track record, right? He made his name, and the reason why he was considered one of the best young prospects for a general manager, he was so sought after, was the fact that he has had success, that he's from that Ossie Newsome tree, that he understands how to do business, that he was part of one of the, the fathers or the founding fathers, whatever you want to call it, that were able to bring the Philly Philly special uh, championship. So, you know, I think if you look at what he did, the first time around that he had the opportunity to have his first full draft, you would say that you would probably give him a B plus when you think about the players that he was able to acquire. You know, you think about Mims. Mims was a hit. You think about Becton. Becton, I believe, is the best out of that class. Now, you can talk about Tristan Wirth all you want to. Tristan Wirth, Tristan Wirth is on the right side of the offensive line. Becton manned the left side, and I've never seen somebody manhandle top-notch pass rushers like I've seen Beckton last year. You think about Davis, the safety from Cal. So he hit. So now you're going to give him 10 picks, which I don't think he makes 10 picks with the 10 picks. I think he packaged them, packages those together to move up and down the board. So I think, you know, what happens is people have more faith because Joe Douglas has proven that he can, one, stay composed under pressure, right? Because you talk about New York being the pressure pipe, you know, or, or being just a, a, a high-pressure situation. And look what he's been able to do. He didn't overspend in free agency like most people wanted to. Like you think about McCagney and what he had to do with trying to get Le'Veon Bell, get C.J. Mosley. You didn't see him do that. He made smart, strategic um, additions that will help a young quarterback, whoever's under center. We're talking to Bart Scott on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. You can also hear Bart as part of ESPN Radio's NFL draft coverage starting Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. So 
You said earlier that you don't want to see the Jets do what you guys did with Sanchez when it comes to not having weapons, but you've also talked about offensive line. That brings me to the Bengals, who pick fifth, but may have a very difficult choice to make between the best wide receiver in the draft by many, Jamar Chase, or the best offensive lineman, Vinay Sewell. If you are running the Bengals, how would you handle that pick? Well, I think some people would differ. I know a lot of people believe that Sewell is the best tackle in his game. You know, I know others that believe that Rashawn Slater is the best in this game. So if you're able to slide back a couple picks and acquire more picks to fill some of the holes that you have, then you can do that as well. And it depends on what they want and what makes Joe Burrow feel comfortable. Because when you think about the Cincinnati Bengals, they're one of the most inactive teams ever as far as sliding up and down the board. But you also understand that Joe Burrow can't take those many hits. Now, I thought they tried to address that. You know, um, you know, he had, they have a first-round draft pick at left tackle. Um, they went out and they got uh, Trey Henderson. They got T. Higgins. But, you know, A.J. Green, who wasn't A.J. Green anymore, has now become a member of the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So they have to figure out a way. But it depends on how greedy you want to get, right? Because, you know, if they, if they want to address and give him a weapon, then you go to Var Chase. You know, you think about what he was able to do with him. If Javar Chase would have came out last year, he would have been probably the number one receiver taken off the board. So you, you think about, you know, what can you do if you give him a weapon and hope that you can maybe get some more um, value if you move back, if he's there. But I think the draft starts at four and five with Atlanta, with Cincinnati, and deciding what they want to do. I don't think they can go wrong either way. Um but it'd be interesting to see how they decide. And, and, and I'm sure and I'm wondering if, if Joe Burrow will have some input on, hey, I think if you give me my ex-teammate, you know, he can fulfill the greatness that was, um, you know, A.J. Green. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio talking to Bart Scott. You can hear him on Barton Hahn. Weekdays, noon to 2 Eastern. I found out in doing some research that we have the exact same birthday, so we are proud Leos. A lot of ego going on here, Bart. I know you went undrafted. Uh, a lot of swag on his line. It's a lot of so swag much swag. Right so now. much swag. If Fitz weren't bringing us down, this thing would be a rocket ship to the moon. But listen, I, <laughs> I know that you were undrafted, but I imagine that you know that affected you know your confidence going in. How do you think these guys, especially you know when we've been talking about it for months and we're sick of saying how great they are, so now we're nitpicking about the things that aren't great. Yeah. How do you think it feels to have all these talking heads engaging in you know your worst moments and your best moments and what's wrong with you and how it's going to go and how you could tank a whole franchise? How do you think that affects them in these days leading up to the draft? Oh, that's all white noise, right? I mean, listen, you don't get to this point of your life and your career as an athlete if you're not a bit of a narcissist, right? And it's, you know, I know a lot of people try to put narcissists on Leos, but no, I believe all <laughs> athletes are narcissists, right? Because you have to be crazy to believe that you can be a professional athlete, right? We're talking about you have a greater chance of getting struck by lightning, right? At least that's what my teacher told me when I told her I wanted to be a professional athlete. She told me I had a better chance of getting struck by lightning. Well, guess what, Ms. Vibbert? I got struck by lightning, so damn you. So watch me on TV and, and grab, grab a jersey and understand that you were the fuel that pushed me over the top because I hated you so much. And I wanted so much to make – I'm sorry, I, therapy sometimes I go off. <laughs> no, I, I feel Vibbert. like we're helping you right now, Bart. Like, yeah, get off your chest, man. <laughs> yeah, Fitz just sorry, punched sorry, a wall. Ms. He's fired I'm up. So, I'm sorry. Ms. Vibbert, Ms. Vibbert <laughs> made me tear my phone around. But every player has a person that that strikes that nerve that pushes them over the top, right? And, you know, when you're a great athlete or you're self-motivated, if you don't have somebody that you say that doubted you, you create them. 
And for me, it was Michael Vite, you know, who was my defense coordinator that just got me kicked off the team. And I didn't think I was ever going to be able to play football again. And then Jerry Kill came in and they got fired and he gave me my second opportunity. And the only person that's going in this draft, apparently, who doesn't have a chip is, you know, is, is Trevor Lawrence. But guess what? Trevor Lawrence, you will have a chip. I guarantee you that Trevor Lawrence will have a chip his sophomore year because he's never going to endure pain like he's ever endured before. He's <laughs> never going to experience losing like he's ever lost, like he's going to lose in Jacksonville, right? The, the, the good and bad thing about being the number one pick is that, hey, you get all the attention, you get picked off the board early, but usually you're going to a bad situation, a bad team. And for the first time, he's going to develop a chip. He's going to grow a chip because he's going to be doubted because he's going to watch guys, potentially like Mac Jones, who he knows he's twice as talented then, right? He's going to watch guys like maybe Trevor Lawrence or guys like Justin Fields who's going to fall in the draft but going to find themselves on great situations. So now he's going to be the guy that's going to have to bear the cross. He's going to walk around with that scarlet letter of saying, hey, I'm here to change the narrative about what the Jacksonville Jaguars are and what people perceive them to be. And that is a tough thing to deal with. And the, those guys are going to realize it. And some of the guys that slip, like, like Lamar Jackson, are going to find themselves in the perfect situation. The only player that I ever saw that, 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 that dip in the 2018 draft that I don't know like, where is he, he's in witness protection, I don't know where, where's Waldo, let's find him on the back of a milk carton, <laughs> is Josh Rosen. We, nobody knows who Josh mm-hmm. Rosen is. He's the only player that's picked in the top ten that's probably been on five teams in four years. I mean, I feel sorry for the kid. But, you know, the, sometimes when you win, you lose. And sometimes when you lose, you win. And sometimes falling down may hurt your feelings and your ego, but it gives you the motivation to prove them all wrong. And you get to go to a better situation and a better football team. So I think a lot of guys have to see the glasses half full and not half empty. You guys can listen to them weekdays, noon to 2 Eastern, on Barton Hahn on ESPN Radio. And, of course, on ESPN Radio's NFL Draft coverage starts Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Bart Scott, thanks for the time. And don't forget, I grew up a fat kid that played the violin, so I know about a chip on my shoulder, dude. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Thank you so much, what, man. What, what, was it the world's smallest violin? Was you like Charles Barkley, but you got picked last, even though you were the biggest kid? When you're, oh, I already got, I always got picked last because I was a fat kid that played the violin. But, no, I, look, it was a normal-sized violin. I'm a little guy, Bart. I'm just a little Small guy. Hands, normal violins, tiny, tiny, tiny hands. Bart, are you uh, are you telling me he has junior whopper hands? Uh, you and Daddy yes. Dimes share something in common. Yeah, junior, junior whopper yes. hands. Can't, get, can't uh, hold a whopper. I mean, I prefer the junior bacon cheeseburger from Wendy's, but either way, Bart, we appreciate you, brother. <laughs> Thanks, My Bart. pleasure. Yes, I mean, Sarah, I'm just saying, like, uh, sufficiently average hands. I thought, yeah. you know. You know what, though? I feel good about us because we had an entire interview with Bart Scott, and we didn't really make fun of the Jets. Like, we didn't even bring up that Drew Bledsoe yesterday basically called them an abyss. You're the Jets. You just keep changing head coaches and quarterbacks every couple of years and, uh, you know, blame it on them. But, but at some point, at some, at some point, at some point, you know, not all those coaches were bad. Not all those quarterbacks were bad. You know, right. maybe you got to look upstairs a little bit before you, uh, before you start throwing more quarterbacks and, and uh, um, coaches into the great abyss. Oh, the Oops. great abyss. Oops. Sorry, Bart. did it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, coming up, we've been mocking things differently than anybody else. Next up, we've got another topic. We're going to mock road trip snacks next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. (laughs) Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. 
That's right. Everybody's mocking things. Everybody's giving you their big takes on who's going to get drafted. We're doing things different here. We're having a little bit of fun. We're getting the mock draft uh, inspired here. So we're going to go through this mock draft. We have flipped a coin during the break uh, to decide who goes first yet again. The Lady Luck has kissed me on the cheek twice this week. Sexism. Uh, Sexism clearly at play. I am picking first in this, but today's topic, this is a good one. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to pick, hopefully, our starting five. Today's topic, road trips. Road trips! I became the man I am today because of a road trip. I love a good ride. Let's go to eat a damn snack. All right, so we're going to go back and forth on road trip snacks. All right, so this is your go-to snack, and... There's no winners or losers here, Sarah. Again, but it's just our favorites. It's, it's, it's not, our favorites. It's not, you know, it's, but it's your list like. yesterday of SNL cast members was much better than mine, and I acknowledge that. So yes. I put a lot of and, thought into this. And somehow neither of us had Phil Hartman and Colin Blow on the list. I, we both failed on that one. I, that was haunting me. At like 2 in the morning, I was still sitting there saying, how the hell did I not take Phil Hartman? Okay, so uh, we are going road trip snacks. Now, I'm going to be honest here, because you know I eat like a child, and I know mm-hmm. you have an actual sophisticated palate. <laughs> I'm not that worried about my number one go-to road trip snack. So I'm taking a huge risk here, and I'm betting on value later in the draft to get my wow, number like one go-to. like I did go-to. with Chris Farley yesterday, because yeah. I know you have terrible taste. Well, that's fair. All right, so I'm going to start with something I think most people have at the near the top of their list. Peanut butter cups. Reese's peanut butter cups. Wow. Top, top of the list for me. I started with child's food. I'm starting with a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's a delight. And uh, when I was on the road, uh, whenever we would stop at a truck stop, I would get two of the king size packs and I would just shove them down as fast as I could. So eight wow. peanut butter cups used to be like the go-to of the start of the, how did I not get fat on the road? I don't yeah, know. No but, kidding. No, That's a really good call. Um, and I love Reese's peanut butter cups, but they are not a road trip food for me at all. Oh. They just don't, they don't cut it for me. My number one road trip food is the extremely excellent must be purchased on all road trips. Smart food, white cheddar popcorn. Oh, Okay. Another go-to that I love to eat, but I don't eat popcorn on the on, on the road because it makes a, a mess, like in the car. Well, some of us are adults and can eat food <laughs> without getting it all over ourselves. I guess is the answer there. <laughs> that is fair. Uh, all right, so I'm I'm actually going to be in the same vein for my second pick uh, as your pick that you just made. Cool Ranch Doritos, Doritos are going to be number two on my list. Yeah, I think as you know, I don't eat like a child and I don't like chips that are flavored to be something. I prefer a plain chip with a dip that's made out of real ingredients that potentially grew out of the earth. So I would like a a regular chip and then maybe there's like a sour cream and onion dip or a guacamole or a salsa. But a Cool Ranch Dorito doesn't even exist in nature. I don't even know what flavor Cool Ranch is. I'm. I haven't had one of those in years, and it's it's definitely not near, near my list. I go with the honey nut Chex mix. Now, this is different than the usual Chex mix. The honey nut Chex mix is magical corn Chex, wheat Chex, vanilla breadsticks, vanilla swirl cookies, and pretzels. It's a touch of sweetness. It's got the salty. It doesn't have those weird, creepy rye bread circles that are in a normal Chex mix that everybody wants to throw out first. It's magical. I've never had it. And oh my god! Like I'm, I'm shook right now. Like you're, you're describing it's- it, and as somebody that hasn't had a splurge meal in almost two months, I might be shaking a little bit at this. So point. let me tell you something. When I was in my early twenties, and I unfortunately had some eating issues where I worked out a thousand hours a day, and I didn't let myself even have peanut butter in the house because I would like eat the whole thing because I was so deprived. 
at the end of the night, when everybody went and got pizza, my splurge was allowing myself to eat Honey Nut Chex Mix, and I would destroy an entire bag and wake up feeling so much guilt. And it was Chex Mix. I mean, it it, it is a thing that you should definitely go to when you're about to end a long stretch of of eating well and healthy, just pound some Honey Nut checks. Putting it on the list for Sunday after I yes. get to this draft. I'm going in. I'll let you know how it goes. All right, third up on my list. i got to be on brand with this, and I didn't realize how much I loved them until I ate them all fall. Oh, but you're going to steal. Oh! Cheez-Its. Darn it. That was on my list. I am a Cheez-It gal. I prefer a regular Cheez-It. I don't mind a white cheddar or some of the other ones, but I prefer regular. Okay, I, I love the regular, but also the sharp cheddar grooves and the buffalo wing together are a bit sharp of a delight. Sharp cheddar grooves? Yeah. I've never even tried that. I've got, I've got, you know what? I've got a contact. What am I doing with I'm, my life? Please. I've got a contact. Please send me some sharp cheddar groove <laughs> Cheez-Its. Also, if you guys haven't heard the song that Fitz wrote for Cheez-Its last football season with Mike Golick Jr., it is a banger. It could absolutely, I said on the Vegas radio affiliate today, it could absolutely be a pop hit if you just replace Cheez-Its with another word. And then I said maybe a word that kind of rhymes with Cheez-It that I shouldn't say on the air. And then I couldn't figure out any other words. And then we moved on. Listen to the song. It's very good. Uh, All right. My number three pick, string cheese. Oh, that's a good one. Full of protein. It's fun to pull the little strings off and eat them. Um, You can also go baby bell circles, but just a standard old mozzarella string cheese is a great road trip snack. I'm all in on that, by the way. I love me some string cheese. Okay, number four, this is not on your list at all. Again, I still haven't gotten my go-to. My number four is a bag of the mini donuts. Ew! The fits. tiny donuts. Oh god! Oh my god! I None can crush of your food the whole bag. Is made of real ingredients. Can crush the entire bag. Your oh, the powdered or the chocolate doesn't matter. Pounded into a shape. Uh-huh. Every single thing is just you. chemicals formed into a shape with you. no actual identifiable food product. Holy cow! All right, my number four is a very important one for a road trip because presumably, if it's a road trip, it takes a long time, which means you need to stay awake. Which is, you go to the coffee bar and you fill the coffee, but you alternate it with something like a delicious gingerbread hot chocolate or maybe a hazelnut hot chocolate. You get all the flavors in there, so it's like coffee, and you get the energy and the caffeine, but it's like a delicious chocolatey mix. That sounds delightful. Uh, my last pick on the board, my number one snack, Mike and Ike's. Again, nothing wrong with oh, it. Mike God, and Ike's. What's wrong Woo! with you? Oh, my God. (laughs) My last one is a Snickers because I'm a real American. Uh, And you can see the nuts in there. And I don't know what the hell a Mike and Ike is. No, I don't like nuts in my chocolate bar. That's just just, just, that's a hot take. You have the worst takes of anyone I've ever met. Harry Douglas has the best takes, particularly when it comes to wide receivers and all things NFL draft. We'll talk to him next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, we're so close to the draft. I can almost taste it. It tastes like despair for most of the teams, including (laughs) my own. But there is hope for many. Somehow Fitz always seems to have it, even though his Raiders, literally, according to statistics, have been the worst drafters for the last, like, 20 years. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless Joining us to give us a little straight talk on the Goodyear Hotline, former wide receiver, Falcons Radio Network host, Harry Douglas. Harry, thanks for the time. No problem at all. And I love how you gave Fitz some riffraff right there about his oh, race. come on, Harry. I mean, he deserves it. What's it's... up, bro? Oh, that's, man. That's, that's, that's my, my brother from another mother. That's my <laughs> twin right there. Fraternal I'm so twins, sorry. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the Falcons and their spot in this draft. There are 
so many question marks about whether they see themselves as a team that still wants to compete, whether they think Matt Ryan is still you know, a worthy guy to build around, or whether it's time to strip it down and get younger with a new quarterback. Where do you see them going with that pick? Well, it's, it's a, a number of different things, a number of different ways they can actually go with that pick. Um, I know Arthur Smith pretty well. I was with him in Tennessee. He coached me. I know one of the things he loved, and he played offensive line at, um, at UNC at North Carolina. So he prides himself on being physical, being nasty up front, doing things the right way, being disciplined. But at the same time, he loves tight ends. He, he uses a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13 personnel, a lot of O2 personnel. For y'all listeners, if y'all want to know what that is, so 12 personnel is one tight end. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, one running back, two tight ends, two receivers. 13 personnel is one running back, three tight ends, one receiver. And O2 personnel is no running backs, two tight ends, three receivers. So he loves um, those personnel and finding mismatches. And I, I, I tell people all the time, look at the games against, I would say, Baltimore. All the games that they played against Baltimore where Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator, and he just found matchups. I seen one play the other day I was because I was going through all his games, and you see Matthew Judon trying to guard a tight end up the scene. And, and, and those are the type of mismatches that, Arthur Smith wants to display when his offense is going against a, uh, an opponent. So, Harry, with that being said, I mean, we've all talked about Kyle Pitts, right? And you've got this sort of transcendent yeah. talent sitting there. And in my mind, you put Kyle Pitts next to Julio Jones with Matt Ryan as a quarterback, you've got a really dynamic thing happening. So it's hard for me to then make sense of the trade rumors around Julio. I mean, what do you think uh, the rea- realistic situation is for them with Julio and how will it impact the draft? Well, but let's say this first. Julio is a generational talent, right? <laughs> I played with the guy. I was lucky enough to play with the guy. I benefited from him, um, getting a lot of double teams in the slot. So uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know when the next time we're going to see a type of player like Julio. Uh, with that being said, Arthur Smith believes in, in his offense, his philosophy. When you you looked at him in Tennessee, um, he had Corey Davis and he and he had um, AJ Brown, but it wasn't no Julio Jones and it wasn't no Calvin Ridley. Now, he always had a, 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 a one tight end. I say a 1A and a 1B tight end. And his first year in 2019, it was Delaney Walker and it was John New Smith. And then Delaney Walker got hurt. Then it started being Fisker. And you see Fisker last year step up a lot, a lot and make plays as well. But I'll tell you, that number four pick, there's, there's four different ways they can go. You can literally go offensive line at four and not have any complaints. You can trade back and still go offensive line and go Slater from Northwestern and still have no complaints and still have more picks. Or you can go quarterback at four. Because if you, if you, if you, at any point, as Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith feel like Matt Ryan is not their quarterback for the next four or five years, if the right quarterback in their eyes is on the board still, they're probably going to take that. Because you got to bank on your organization not picking in the top five like that ever again because you're you're banking on winning and, and being a winning winning program. Harry Douglas with us on the Goodyear Hotline. You can check out his YouTube channel, the H D Connection, former wide receiver for the Falcons, also on the Falcons radio network. Let's talk wide receivers. This is such a deep draft for that kind of talent. Do you see teams going elsewhere early knowing that they could pick up a good wide receiver later rounds? Yeah, I think it's another deep class, just like last year. Last year was uh, one of the uh, most deep classes uh, ever. And I think you you have the same thing this year. I mean, you have Chase Waddle, you have uh, Rondell Moore, Devontae Smith, Bateman, Tony, 
uh, Terrence Marshall, who I think is going to be still in the draft, him and Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. Not just saying that Fitz because I went to Louisville, mm-hmm. but um, I've seen this guy play throughout his career. He, he finished it up, but well, he started it off with a with a great senior bowl, and then he finished it up with a great pro day as well, um, running in the four fours. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Then you got Tyler Wallace. You got Powell from Clemson. Um, you got Say Surratt. It's so many guys that you can draft and. I'm actually getting a lot of calls from a lot of teams asking me about these wide receivers, too. Is there some point then, Harry, with that being said, that we should stop obsessing over wide receivers in the first round every year when every year it feels like there are good wide receivers available second, third, fourth? I'll tell you, that this has always been my philosophy when it, when it came to the wide receiver position. And I hate that I'm saying this because I played the position, but you can literally go get somebody off the street and train them for a good two or three months and they can play receiver. You can't get anybody to go play O-line. You can't get anybody to play defensive line. You can't get anybody to play corner. That's why you may see a veteran in the league at corner playing, what, 13, 14 years. And it's because you just can't find corners like that, especially in a pass-happy NFL that we have now, too. Spain and Fitz here, Spain. Jason Fitz getting you ready for the draft Thursday night. Harry Douglas with us. Talking all things NFL, specifically Falcons, too. Um, so, you know, brass tacks here when you're looking at the Falcons. Do you actually think that this is a team that should build up, or is this a team that should start fresh? The thing about it is that I, I, I feel like they can still win, even if they do make certain moves in the draft. I looked at this team last year doing a pregame, postgame, and halftime show for them. Um, they had a lot of games where they actually should have won the game, and it just didn't finish. And when Raheem Morris took over as as as, uh, as the head coach last year, you seen the defense start to start to do a little bit more under Dan Quinn. They were a little too stagnant um, and wasn't changing things up. But when Raheem Morris took over, you see them do a lot of different things: switch up coverages, switch up looks, and the guys just started to play a little harder for for Raheem. Not saying that they didn't play hard for DQ. It was just you seen the difference. So the talent is there, but I, I'll tell you this, and Fitch, you know this. Championships are won on the offensive line, defensive line, and in the quarterback room. The Falcons have to get better on the defensive line, and they have to do a better job of protecting Matt Ryan. Arthur Smith loves to run the football. I know this 100%. So that offensive line, their mindset is going to be different this year. Going into every meeting, going into training camp, going into mini camp, going into the season. So I look forward to to that group uh, being stronger and especially – if they add somebody else to that group as well. With all the good players available at four, Harry, you think there's any chance that the Falcons look at trading down at this point to get up and get themselves more opportunity? Um, from day one, I thought that that was my philosophy from day one because not only do you, you get more draft picks this year, but you set yourself up to, for 2022 and 2023. You set those draft classes up and then, uh, especially if you don't want to go quarterback, I think this is a deeper quarterback class than people give credit for. So you don't have to go quarterback at number four because whoever you draft that quarterback anyway is going to have to sit a year or two behind Matt Ryan. So if you take a guy in a second or third round, I still think they can be valuable there. But if you trade back, now you have the draft capital and, and future drafts to go back up and trade back up and get a quarterback if needs be. If need, if need be. Awesome stuff, Harry. We appreciate the time. Are you looking forward to the draft actually happening as much as we are? Because I'm sick of mock drafts. Yes, I am. And guess what, Fitz? Guess where I'm going to be? I got. I have to work this um this this draft stuff here in Atlanta, and then I'm hopping on a red eye, and I'm going to Vegas. I got to meet right. with some coaches up there. 
at, at the Raiders organization and then uh, UNLV. So I'm telling I'll be in your you, ground, Fitz. Yeah, well, you know, say hi, give give Gruden a slap on the butt for me if you see him. I mean, yeah, send him some swag too. Yeah, head on into that's that the most important room, thing. Grab, yeah. grab some swag and send it to Fitz. That's all he ever cares. About. I need I need free stuff, dude. I, like I, you know how cheap I am. I how bought, excited he just got. I bought the, the Raiders draft hat. Like I bought the official draft hat. So like, get me some free stuff, Harry. Come on, you got pull. Yeah, use those. Use I'm gonna see uh, you some pictures. I'm gonna see you some pictures. No, use those good hands for, for something useful. All right, oh my come God. on. Thank, that's uh, right. <laughs> thanks for the time, Harry. <laughs> thanks, I appreciate you, brother. No Harry problem, Douglas, former wide receiver. You can find him on the HD Connection on YouTube and the Falcons Radio Network. Giving you the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Coming up, CP3 for MVP. Some people are saying so. We'll talk about it next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Uh, this brings me back to the good old days when the show was, in fact, called Spain and Company, and I was in charge of everything before Fitz came back around and then just <laughs> immediately started cheating on me again. Three hours today with Gola Jr. That's longer than this show is. I'm glad you have some energy left over to make trash takes like liking Mike and Ike's. You know what? And fear not, if you hate me, you can't escape me today on ESPN because I'm on Sports Nation tonight. Oh, so tomorrow morning, everybody can Triple get their header. Sports Nation feel. Triple Let's header. Look go. at you putting in the work. It's all in celebration of Lizzo's birthday. I believe that's what you said. Lizzo, yeah. 33 today. And in honor of her, you are just uh, you're just showing everybody your juice is what you're doing. That's you not him... the way I would have phrased it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's... It's, it's <laughs> worth the squeeze if the juice ain't look like this. Holla. Wow. Don't make me have to take a pic. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. That particular song used to be the intro for Spain and Company, so shout out to those of you that remember the joyous sounds of Lizzo and how Will Perdue, during all of our last dance conversations when we'd come on every week, thought we were playing it specifically for him. Didn't realize it was just the show open and wondered why we were always giving him the juice. I'll now uh, always think of Will Perdue when I think of Lizzo, and I don't know welcome. how I feel about that. Honestly, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Join host Nate Burleson and guests Justin Fields, Najee Harris, and Jamar Chase in the new Progressive YouTube series, Up All Night. Watch every episode exclusively on YouTube.com slash Progressive. going to switch gears for a minute here and talk NBA because we saw the Knicks' win streak snapped last night. And in epic fashion by a man who's been in the NBA for a long time and who I think up until maybe today has not been getting enough shine for what he's doing. And that is Chris Paul, 16th season in the league here. And all of a sudden, people asking if he's an MVP candidate as they start to look at what he's doing for a Suns team that's got a coach in the coach of the year race, 20 points, six assists. He had seven points in the last minute or so of this game to put away the Knicks and end their streak and fit, you know, Chris Paul, to me, is is a guy that we kind of have in a different tier than the superstars. But when you take a look at what he's done at every team he's been on, it's pretty remarkable. And Stephen A. Smith was talking about just that. What he touches improves. There's no negative with Chris Paul. They're top six defensively. They're top ten offensively. That's usually the case when Chris Paul is on your team because he plays on both ends of the floor. And his defense, I wouldn't even say it's been vastly underrated because he religiously gets recognized for it. But then when you take into account those things that I just pointed out, and then the injuries to Harden, LeBron, AD, Embiid, Kevin Durant, 
etc. No, the Joker doesn't have that. But the Joker ain't the number one seed in the West either, or tinkering towards being the number one seed in the West either. He hasn't missed any games. He's been reliable. But the point is, it could come down to the why. Damian Lillard was in the conversation, but Portland fell off losing five or six straight recently, and that's hurt him to some degree as well. Look at what this man is bringing to the table, how the Phoenix Suns are flourishing, and it could very well come down as it presently stands right now, somewhat by default because of the injuries, but it could come down to the Joker versus CP3 because of the profound impact that everyone, including Devin Booker, acknowledges Chris Paul has had on the Phoenix Suns. Profound impact, Sarah, is what really hits me when he talks about that because this is a Phoenix team that, let's face it, most of us didn't expect to take this big leap forward. And Chris Paul is somebody that I think a lot of people already had their mind up on sort of who he is and where he belongs in the spectrum of conversation. It's interesting to me right now, he's on pace to be the second player to average at least 15 points a game and eight assists a game in a season where he's over 35. And that tells you how rare what he's doing is. And also, according to Elias, his career regular season winning percentage, 639, would be the second best ever for a player mm-hmm. with no finals appearances. So it's like part of what we talked about the other day when we were talking yesterday, when we were talking about, you know, are we devaluing the regular season too much? Well, I think some of this with Chris Paul has become like this, this rinse, wash, repeat uh, sort of conversation about who he is as a player when you have to look at what he's doing this year and what it's done for Phoenix as a whole and say, my God, that is value. Whatever most valuable is, the leap they've taken forward is largely at the, on the shoulders of Chris Paul. Absolutely. Seven and three in their last 10 games. They're just a game back at the Jazz for the top spot in the West, sitting at 43 and 18 already. This is a team that only won 34 games last year. Now, to your point about our narrative around Chris Paul in the past, most of that stems from not being able to get past a certain round in the postseason. And it's a valid discussion. Of course, he's not going to be on the level of a LeBron in terms of changing a team on his own. But changing a team to become a title winner on his own, but changing a team on his own to get from nothing and irrelevant to into the mix. That's Chris Paul Hornets, Clippers, Rockets, Thunder. His teams have missed the postseason once since Mm. 2008. It was the 09, 10 Hornets. They didn't have them for 37 games and it was a loaded Western conference. Other than that, his teams are consistently in the postseason, and every single team he's been on has improved markedly since he arrived there. Um, even teams when it feels like a throwaway, like both the Thunder and the Suns, to be honest, where you look like you're adding a guy and taking away pieces and that they're going to be in a rebuild, and instead he helps lift them up. So um, let's give CP3 his flowers, especially at the age he's doing it. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Speaking of giving people their flowers, Russell Westbrook just broke Wilt Chamberlain's record with a 12th triple-double in a month, and he's nearing the all-time record, and he's saying, how come nobody seems to care? I honestly believe there is no player like myself, and if people want to take it for granted, sorry for them. Um, But I'm pretty sure if everybody could do it, they'll do it. And I honestly make sure that I impact the game in many ways um, every night, defending, rebounding, passing assisting, uh, whatever it is that my team needs for me to be able to win. Um, and that's what I do. I, I really don't, honestly, because I don't care what nobody thinks about it. Or I don't care if somebody thinks it is, you know, whatever they want to call it, stat padding or not useful. I mean, you know, I think it's very interesting that it's not useful now that I'm doing it, you know. Uh, it wasn't useful when Magic and Oscar and those guys were doing it. Uh, but now that I do it and it looks easy, 
Yeah, it's not easy. It's incredibly impressive, Fitz, and I completely agree with him. I know that this stems from the fact that the teams he's on aren't good enough to be the top story at ESPN and other networks, and that's usually how we go. It's great player and team that's winning, and the Wizards haven't won a whole lot. In fact, this was another game where Bradley Beal had 40 points and they lost anyway. Their record is the worst in the history of the league when a player has 40 points over the course of a, you know, a certain number of games. It's, it's remarkable, but they just don't win enough for us to care enough about Russell Westbrook's doing, even when it's great. Also, as we've talked about before, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, sometimes we become complacent with certain levels of greatness. Like we just saw this a few years ago in an MVP season for Russ in what, 2016-17, where he averaged a triple-double, right? Like, so we We've seen him average a triple-double, and at the time, it was such a crazy stat to talk about. You'd sit there and say, I can't believe somebody's actually going to accomplish it. But now that it's been accomplished, it feels like everybody's a little blasé with it. I'm not saying it's right. It's just when you've seen it, now everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's just what he does. And I think we take it for granted. History will remember Russell Westbrook far more fondly than we remember him or we talk about him in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, that's that. I was looking for uh, Bradley Beal, 7-21 and 21 in his career in 40-point games, the worst Golly. in NBA history. Uh, yeah, and, and your point about Westbrook is solid. I mean, it's it's the argument we used for his MVP, and then we kind of forgot about it when he did it again. Uh, but to do it as many times as he's done it this year and this month alone, uh, deserving of his praise, regardless of whether the team ends up getting Ws. Next, we're going to bring in someone who's watched many of the NFL draft prospects up close. We'll get his thoughts on the draft next. Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's lion season. We keep talking about it. Everybody knows the NFL draft. You can listen to, by the way, all three days of the draft, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can listen to on ESPN Radio. If you're a fan of uh, the live stream uh, coverage, I just want to plug that again. Mike Oleg Jr., myself, Field Yates, the Sports Nation crew, a bunch of us on Thursday, Friday. We'll be doing that, and Saturday we'll be doing a simulcast. One of the guys hanging out with me on radio on Saturday that's going to be part of this simulcast and this adventure, also one of the best minds we have here, a guy that's in the game all the time, really excited. Ian Fitzsimmons, other Fitz, giving us a straight talk on the NFL draft. <laughs> <laughs> Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contracts, no compromise. Ian, thanks for the time. I appreciate always, you. Always, man. Yeah. Always, Sarah. Good to talk to you, Fitz. Yeah. Good to see you. So, uh, look, it is Lion season. It is. I mean, it's it's. this is the worst week every year because you've got more misinformation being thrown out there by agents trying to drive their guy up and another guy down. You've got some teams that will actually creep out and talk ill of a player to try and try and drive that player to them. So, Let's get to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and get on a plane on Sunday. How do you make sense, then, of everything? Because you talk to GMs, you talk to coaches, you talk to everybody. So let's go with Justin Fields. Because so many people have him dropping on on their boards, right? Well, so I talked to one GM yesterday, and I brought up Fields. I'm like, why is he dropping? I mean, Because I saw him in person five different times. And every single game, he looked sensational. And so he goes, let me ask you a question, Fitz. Which NFL board have you had a good look at? Because we have him ranked number two on ours, mm-hmm. and he, now they don't. This team does not need a quarterback, but they do their due diligence and they evaluate anyway. Because he's a second ranked quarterback on our board behind Trevor Lawrence. Have you gotten a look at my board? I went well. You think you know the answer? He goes. Have you guys seen the other thirty-one boards? I said no. He goes. Well, what damn board are you talking about? Thank you. That's what I keep saying. Like, why is he dropping? Where? Nobody's done anything. No one's dropping anywhere. Nothing's been drafted. Ah, the hypotheticals kill me. 
Uh, you could hear Ian Fitzsimmons with all the hypotheticals and others with uh, with uh, Freddie right after our show every night. I want to ask you, speaking of lying season and hypotheticals, about the 49ers because I felt, and I've been saying all along, they're lying to us. There is no reason to give us this much information when they were telegraphing Mac Jones, right? But then people were like, well, you know, they're the third pick. We already know who's going one and two, so they have no reason not to tell us. Okay, I'll, I guess I'll buy that. Then, now they're muddying up the situation by telling you they haven't even picked who they want, yet they like all of the quarterbacks. So my conspiracy theory is that maybe they figured out that they gave up too much to get to three and didn't need to give up that much to get Mac Jones. No one else is hot on him. And they're looking to see if someone one or two or three picks below them might want Justin Fields and swap with them. And then that's why they're pretending like they don't know. Because I don't understand why they told us so much and then why now they're acting like they don't know. It's a great hypothetical you've got there, Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. Look at me getting all into this uh, hypothetical BS. Look, Mac Jones to me is is the guy that Kyle Shanahan wanted, you know, initially and now. He reminds him of Matt Ryan. He's he's the most accurate of the guys not named Trevor Lawrence, and he may even be more accurate than Trevor Lawrence. But you know, we we have this now image that has been thrown out there about Mac Jones, and he can't walk and chew gum without having to think about it and, and not tripping over his own two feet. The man completed nearly 78% of his passes for nearly 4,500 yards, over 40 touchdowns, and four INTs. And he is unbelievably cerebral. He reminds him of a guy he had that he went to the Super Bowl with in Matt Ryan. Now, Trey Lance also, we were talking to his quarterback coach last night, Quincy Avery, and he said, as a 20-year-old, from the neck up, he's the sharpest quarterback mind that he has coached. And that includes Deshaun Watson. So that's high, high praise about Trey Lance. And I think, Sarah, that going back to when they initially made the trade, it was all about Mac Jones. And then doing due diligence, you know, they're like, all right, well, seeing more about Trey Lance, but there's a much more, you know, there's not as much elite competition. There's not anywhere near the competition. But I still believe that it's going to be Mac Jones at three going to the Niners because that's the guy Kyle Shanahan wants to coach. We're talking to Ian Fitzsimmons. You can hear him on Freddie and Fitzsimmons right after us every single night and uh, hear him uh, on Saturday with me on the draft coverage. Uh, so stick there for a second then because if that's the way this board's going to go, uh, Zach Wilson too, we all know Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson too. And then and I'm not Matt high Jones on three. Zach Wilson. I, I, I'm only seen him in person one time, full disclaimer, but I would have him fifth of these five. But I, I mean, I, I, so that one mm. I don't get with the Jets. So where does Justin Fields fall? Like we agree that Justin, I think I agree with you. Justin Fields, second best quarterback on in this this year's draft. Where's he going? Great question. Thanks. And keep an eye on the Lions. Maybe moving out at seven. Possibly also, you know, somebody moving into eight. If if he's still there at eight. If any one of them is there at 10 with the Cowboys, there is no doubt in my mind, having covered the Cowboys for, for long enough to try and understand Jerry, as much as you can try and understand Jerry, uh, I think the Cowboys would definitely move back. And so that, that's also a target spot. But I, I, like, I, here's the thing also when it comes to Justin Fields. People talking about, you know, oh, my God, he's plummeting, he's plummeting. If we'd have told him at the beginning of the season, you're going to be a top 15 pick. If you cash out right now, top 15, you take it. He's Hell yes, he's taking it. So, man, where he lands, I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, no one knows right now unless you're in the top three. But I'll tell you this, whomever gets him is getting one a heck of a competitor and a, and a, a fine, fine quarterback. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Ian Fitzsimmons about the draft coming up finally Thursday night. You work a lot of college games. You're on the sidelines watching all these guys in person. Is there anyone you think people are just getting it wrong with? 
Zach Wilson, but only saw him once. <laughs> <laughs> once was enough, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Wow. Really well, I mean, made an that, impression. That, that was in 2019, and I had a long conversation with his head coach, Kalani Sataki, about what happened from 19 to last season. He said he worked his tail off, and he went into about an eight-minute description of everything that Zach Wilson did. He would go to their corner cornerbacks coaches. Why is he playing with inside leverage here instead of outside? You know, He would go to his defensive coordinator. Why are you calling that against this offense? Or, or this this play call. I mean, he really got into the cerebral part of the game. And then making that trek to go work with John Beck, former BYU quarterback, you guys talked to last night. I mean, th- that is dedication to the nth degree. But he really got invested in the mental side of the game. The physical traits are there. You know, it, it was just making awful reads, and his mechanics weren't all there also. So John Beck did a great job. But that's, that's number one for me, Sarah. And maybe it is only because I saw him just one time. But that is the most, in my opinion, the, the most overrated guy right now, as far as the first-round guys and the big-name guys, is Zach Wilson. I'd take him fifth of those five. We're talking to Ian Fitzsimmons on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. One thing I've been asked a lot about is opt-outs. And you talk to teams all over the place. It seems like every team has a different strategy. From the people you're talking to, do you believe that there are there are teams that are just going to eliminate opt-out players from the top of their draft board? No, but I think that guys that stuck and stayed and competed like Mac Jones behind Tua and Jalen Hurts when he could have left are actually getting a thumbs up because they, they didn't run from competition. You know, and then he had Bryce Young coming in behind him, who's going to be the the next five star Bama phenom. Of course, uh, yeah, they're just just rolling another one. Um, you know, those guys are actually being really looked at like, hey, they didn't run from a fight; they ran into the fight, and 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 look what look what happened. But as far as opt outs, I, I don't think they're like Parsons from Penn State. He's not being downgraded for it. It, you know, everyone had to deal with COVID in one way or another. So the opt-outs, I don't think they're being punished, but the guys that stuck, stayed, and competed are going to be rewarded. If that makes sense. Yeah, Ian, you know, it's interesting because that's how I feel about Justin Fields. And again, he hasn't dropped anywhere because nothing has happened yet. <laughs> but anyone who's using... You love, last... that, you love that GM story, don't <laughs> Just you? Just <laughs> so annoying to me. Um but, you know, people who have downgraded him since we saw him two years ago and people thought he was, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. To me, that's a situation, and I mentioned this the other night, it reminds me of online dating where someone gives you three facts and you fill in all the rest with only the best possible scenario, which is what's happening for these guys who've only played 17 games or so. You have Justin Fields, who you have much bigger selection to choose from of what you've seen, and some of it hasn't been great. There's been some hiccups, but you also had him two years ago, and if he'd stopped there, you loved him. Yeah, so I, I just don't know if it's fair. He had so much pressure on him coming into this season. You know, you're looking at a six-game or an eight-game slate. They end up, you know, getting hit with COVID for a couple of them, but. He had he was one of those guys like Trevor Lawrence. If we, if Trevor Lawrence doesn't launch that we want to play campaign, we didn't have college football last year. Uh, that that's every coach I talked to to a person that hmm. Trevor Lawrence started that whole thing, and without him being that vocal, they ain't playing. And then Justin Fields had the pressure and the weight of the Big Ten on his shoulders. He was a guy that said, "Hey, wh- what are we doing? I mean, wh- wh- I'm I'm tired of watching these everyone else play." He is a leader of men, and I think he was playing a lot of hero ball early on against Indiana, especially in that Indiana game, and tried to against Northwestern. You credit Pat Fitzgerald in that defense, led by Greg Newsom, a corner who, man, that guy can – you talk about play? Hello. He's one of the more underrated guys in this draft. But they, they took hero ball away and tried to make him dink and dunk, and he got frustrated. Then you watch him in his Sugar Bowl against Brent Venables in that Clemson defense. Oh, my gosh. That's the dude, Sarah, you saw mm-hmm. back in 2019. So – 
you know, when it comes to Justin Fields, wherever he ends up, I think he's going to be remarkably successful. By the way, in that against Venables, anytime a quarterback feels like they're one step ahead of the best defensive coordinator in college football, I'm telling you, it just it, it, it. speaks to me. And so and I'll tell you why Mac yeah. Jones rose the senior bowl. Fields wasn't there. All these other guys weren't able to play in that, and he was able to get reps against best on best in front of every NFL eyeball, and that's how his stock rose. Yeah. Well, it's we're almost there. We're almost to the Woo! spot that we can keep. Uh, we can start talking about actual drafts instead of speculation of them. You can listen to Ian tonight. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up right after us, and uh, I'm going to hang out with them for a little bit too tonight. So Come on, son. Be fun. Look at that. Uh, so thanks, oh, Ian. We appreciate your time. Thanks. Wow. Uh, we're just we're fired up here. He's he's got an issue. There ain't no doubt about it. He, he really does. He, you got deep. Demons and run deep, problem. and I appreciate that it. That is so true. Just ask me about my mom. All right. Oh, we, uh, <laughs> we mock draft road trip snacks. We'll tell you who's winning next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz oh, on yes. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. I'm sorry, Sarah. Were you supposed to come in there and I just jumped all no, over you? No, oh. I was just I was just sighing with satisfaction of that rejoin involving our Saturday Night Live best cast members draft and a, a, little, a little hat tip to colon blow. I got to be honest, like I went back, you know, late after late at night last night, sitting there and I was looking at social media and I saw our list come up again for the Saturday Night Live members. And I thought, wow, I didn't do myself proud at all. Like I was good with the list that I had, but I wasn't great with the list. Right, right. But I found myself saying like, you know, five days later when you're thinking about an argument where you're like, I wish I'd said that's where I felt I was on the Saturday Night Live list. I felt like I really failed today, though. I feel like, look, win or lose, and I just happen to be winning. You, you absolutely uh, dusted me. But win or lose, like I can look at today and say I, I'm I'm good with it because I really nailed it. Yesterday I did no, not mail, nail no, it. No, no, just because more people voted for your trash food doesn't mean you nailed it. You still chose most items that do not have one single element of them that can be identified as actual food that came from the earth. You are not wrong, and that's what makes for delightful <laughs> road trip snacks. By the way, we we mock draft. Uh, we went through uh, road trip snacks. Now, two days in a row in our mock draft process, I have won the coin toss to get the first pick. But I don't think that really made a difference here, as uh, we had very know. little that uh, that was yeah, on the same list. Not a lot of crossover. But there are a lot of things on your list. For example, uh, white cheddar popcorn, string cheese. Uh, like I'm all in on like flavored hot chocolate. Like these are all things that I love to eat. They're just not what I think of as road trip. And honey nut checks mix is going to be on my Sunday splurge list now mm-hmm. that you've described it. So I have a lot of respect for your list. My list is just more towards the uh, inner fat kid in me. Yeah, with your the- list is for people who are high no. Uh, no. and people who plan on sleeping in the passenger side the entire uh, trip. My list is for the driver. Uh, there's protein involved. There's caffeine involved. There's a nice mix of like actual real food and then the treats. Uh, I like your Reese's peanut butter cups. I like your Cheez-Its, but Cool Ranch Doritos, Donuts, and Mike and Ike's are all absolutely trash. Just no redeeming qualities there. And somehow you're at 74% of the vote and you're you're winning. And as somebody very wisely and smartly pointed out, at Yo Defoe, thank you for saying this, he said, this should be Sarah all the way. The LOL YOLO version of a road trip is a stoner's collection of junk food and soda. The proper way to actually put miles behind you is to eat good fuel with relatively low GI. Sarah crushed that steady energy versus the sugar roller coaster. Thank you very much at Yo Defoe. Uh, by the way, I've made the 15-hour drive from Nashville to Connecticut multiple times and done none of it with any balance. Like, there, there's no my, – my list will get you through. You just got to eat copious quantities. Like, it's okay, not – Okay, well, you're also the guy who used to have four venti coffees a day. 
I mean, moderation's never been one of my strong suits. I mean, you're, you're preaching facts there. I mean, and let me be clear too. Like, it's not uh, it's not a couple of peanut butter cups, and it's not a small like what if it says share size? That's where we start, and we get two. Like that's that's um, how you do a road trip. Fat kid, dude. Oh, the, man. the best part about Fitz, and for those of you who don't know this about Fitz, Fitz is all swings. So like. It'll be swinging from when I first met him. It was four venti coffees a day. Then he tried to get off coffee and he started having, was it Red Bulls or Monster? Uh, Sugar-free energy drinks in general. Sugar-free energy (laughs) drinks, just like all day, nonstop. And he would just be peeing every second. And he wouldn't wear shoes to the bathroom, by the way. Socks to the shared bathroom because he's a savage. And then you were like, I'm going to get healthy. And then you just stopped eating anything. Yep. And then you came back around. Then you were like, I'm going to be mostly plant-based. Then you got away from that. And now you're currently in a no sugar, no alcohol, no anything, no I, caffeine. I like to call it don't eat like a whole. Like that's okay. the, that's well, what I, like that's that's my like but, I'm I'm in this phase now. This is almost moderation for me where I know what's like good and bad for me and I'm just making good decisions at every meal. That's that's my my Okay, objective. but tell everyone what your good decision is going to be on Saturday night at Fleming. Oh my god, I'm going to go out after the draft and I'm going to get like I'm going to sit down at the bar and I'm going to look at the waiter or waitress, the server, either way. And I'm going to say, I want one of everything. And I mean from the dessert menu. I don't care about, like, I'm going to a steakhouse because they have great dessert. And I'm going to make it rain on copious amounts of cake. Like, the most okay. cake that I can possibly eat. Well, I want you to know that I went to the menu for Fleming's to yes. find out what the offerings would be if you did indeed order one of each dessert. This is what you will be served up, to to your point earlier about not eating like an a-hole and knowing how to make good choices. Chocolate lava cake. New York cheesecake, mm-hmm. creme brulee, huh? carrot cake, okay. key lime pie, yep. chocolate cooey butter cake, yep. and fresh fruit and chantilly cream. For a combined calorie count of, I can't do the math, but 1340 plus 960 plus 820 plus 1260 plus 740 plus 780 plus 220. I think we can all agree that the cream and the, the berries could probably fruit, yeah. be left out. Get but, rid of that? You know, okay. other than that, I think well, it sounds delightful. that was 220 delightful. calories, look so at you me, really Reg- saved yourself on that. Moderation. Thank you, America. <laughs> uh, look. I don't want to be anywhere near your bathroom. You know how you've talked about your your neighbors before getting an earful when you're yelling about the Raiders? It's not going to be an earful is all I'm saying. Yeah, you're right about that. Like it might it might take me a couple of days to even be able to use the bathroom after that much. But, yeah, you know, you I feel good about it. Add, it's like me. I decided really smart one over here. I've been a vegetarian for like three plus years. And my friend suggested this collagen protein powder that you get the collagen, which is good for your joints and everything and the protein. So I decided to add it to my diet, not remembering that collagen is an animal-based product. And then I had the scene from Dumber and Dumber on both occasions where I made a smoothie. And I was like, I wonder what's making my stomach so unhappy. Oh, it could be the fact that I've just added something that I haven't eaten in over three years to my body, which is exactly what you're going to feel if you add that much sugar after going how many months without any? I mean, a couple. You are you are probably right, but dang it, I'm going to try. I mean, there's there's no quitting me. There is no quitting this guy. Not the bathroom part, but the post bathroom when you're miserable. I want to see some photos, maybe a a, you know Periscope live and IG live of all the desserts being brought to you. I want a a, a surround shot of the people staring at you as you have 11 teen desserts in front of you. Can you get the cake sweats? Like we all know about the meat sweats, but I don't know. Can you get the cake sweats? No. So my husband has an iron stomach. Like. I remember one time I got some sushi from a grocery store. I ate two out of eight. I was like, ugh, I don't like these. Something's up. He ate six of them. I had food poisoning for a whole week. Didn't eat a single thing for the rest of the week. He was completely fine. Just iron stomach. And he has wedding dessert stomach. 
whatever it is. I don't know if it's some sort of specific type of cream or frosting or something that tends to be in the rich wedding desserts, but he will be midway through the Cupid shuffle and he will be shuffling on to a place unknown for a good half hour, 45 minutes of that wedding. But here's my thought process. Like I've been doing all this to get healthy and and trim down for the draft, right? Like I want to look my best for the draft this weekend. I mean, if that's the effect at the end, then it kind of helped me, right? Like I ate all this cake, but then bam, it goes right out of me. Is that how you want to go? I mean... <laughs> is that how you want to slim down? You might want to take off Monday's show if that's the, that's the approach you're taking. I'm just, I'll just bring in like a bag and we'll just see where things go on oh, Monday. God. That's it. The- <laughs> oh, not the right end for that. <laughs> well, I mean, Stosh is in studio. He won't love it, oh, but no. the rest of us will have a grand old time. This has been a very awkward way to end <laughs> a spectacular edition of Spain and Fitz. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up next. I can't promise you they'll be classier, but they'll sound cooler doing it thanks for hanging out with us spain and fitz espn radio thanks for listening to the spain and fitz podcast you can listen to the show weeknights at 7 eastern on espn radio and on the espn app